Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This is the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. I am Coach Manaman. Thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. For the latest news and notes and baseball content from the tri-state area, find us on social media, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and at Coach Manaman on Twitter. Welcome back to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. As always, this is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and an exciting episode for you people today, especially those of you who follow the semi-pro circuit. The pack is back. The Packers left Dubuque in 1976, and Dubuque lost its minor league baseball affiliation. Manager Michael Blake brought the Packers back to the semi-pro circuit in 2015, and after years of being dormant, years of struggling to get into tournaments, the Packers broke out this year to win a league championship and announce their arrival to the semi-pro circuit. Michael, did you know the history of the Dubuque Packers, and is that what led you to name your semi-pro team the Dubuque Packers. Yeah, uh, first, thanks for having me, Nick. Great intro. Uh, so, yeah, we did know the um, history of the Dubuque Packers a little bit. Uh, we're still young, and obviously none of us that started the team were alive when they were here. But uh, what we knew was that they were affiliated with the Astros. I think that was their last affiliation in 76, and uh, hence our – tequila sunrise jerseys that we wear that's awesome it's interesting because the th at the end of the summer toward august did a big publication about the history of dubuque baseball i'm super disappointed the th dropped the ball they did not put it in digital form but they talked about the history of the Dubuque Packers, talked about all the great baseball stories in the area. I did not know this, but they did an article on the Dubuque Packers. Believe it or not, they used to get about 1,000 people that would generally go down to see a minor league Dubuque Packers game. I do want to talk about your reasons for starting a new semi-pro team. It seems like over the years, many of them were folding we still hear to this very day, Mike, that people have an issue finding players and even quality players to play. What were your reasons for wanting to start the Dubuque Packers? So, uh, I mean, our big reasons was we all, most of us played a little bit of semi-pro for other teams. Um, I was kind of jumping between teams, and I had a few main teams. But if I wasn't able to play for them in a tournament and they lost, I'd play for someone else. I still... I still, to this day, have probably three-quarters of the team's hats in my closet because of that. I just playing for everyone for about a three-year stretch there. Um, but we started it just because we all wanted to play together. We wanted to all be full-time with the team, and it seemed like no one needed full-time guys or wanted, you know, two or three guys. And so we just took it upon ourselves to give it a shot, and here we are. Now, I know it is probably not 
the most glamorous thing. And I know people listening to this probably do not know all the work that goes into it. But for people that are listening that would like to start or revive a semi-pro team in a town that had one fold in a community, what is the process like? What are all the things that need to be done to get a team and to put a team out on the field? Uh, yeah, the first thing I did was I went out to make sure I had a solid nine or ten guys that wanted to be a part of something like this. And that part was fairly easy. We were fresh out of high school. None of us, um, none of the original guys had really played college baseball. I think they had one or two with uh, Chris Tompkins and Austin Clemens. And I didn't end up playing until my junior year when I went back to Clark. But um, that was the first thing we did. And it was easy because, like I said, none none of them had, were playing competitive baseball and they wanted to be a part of something like that. Next thing was we found out when the league meeting was, went to the league meeting, and we had to, I didn't know what was in store for us at the league meeting, and they made us plead our case, um, well, to take a step back, a little bit of background, at the time they had 12 teams in the league, so an even number, and 12 teams, um, you know, it's a pretty good number for a league, they had a 16-game schedule, I want to say, where they played like their division twice, and then the other side once. Or however it worked out. And so they made us plead our case. And they I think they were a little bit hesitant on it because we were all young. And we showed up with probably five or six guys at the league meeting trying to show that we were committed to it and had enough that wanted to do it. Um, and they put it to a vote. They were hesitant. They made it an odd number of teams. So what they did was they put us on a probationary period. And our first season, we played all away games. Um, which actually we uh, we wanted to. It was tough to find a home field and then to rent out a home field starting up, not having a lot of money was going to be tough. So we played each team once, all away games. And part of the probationary thing was we couldn't, um, we could not forfeit any games and or none of that funny business. So uh, we put in, they voted us in unanimously. Uh, and put in the work, we were at everything, and um, that just took off. Then, I mean, the big thing was you got to have a little bit of a plan. I mean, it's way more expensive and time-consuming than most people realize. Uh, it kind of leads into your next question here, sorry. But, like, we had, you know, we I thought we had all the necessary equipment. Then come to find out, you know, we didn't have the bomb bat that we, everyone has that doesn't break very often. Say very often because we've broken two of them now in the last two years. But so we had we were breaking bats left and right, having to buy new bats. Didn't want to drop two hundred fifty dollars on a bomb bat, and um, you know they're worth their weight in gold now. I realize that, but just to have a plan going into it and how and where you're going to get all this stuff and things like that, but. And if you're passionate about it, it's, it's easy. It's not it work. It's not hard work. Besides the bad issues and having to play all your games on the road, what were some of the other struggles? And if you had to give a guesstimate, how much does it usually cost to run a semi-pro team for one year? 
Ah, uh, well, our it's about two hundred bucks a game. So going back up, so our I would say our biggest struggle was money. Um, we were all broke college kids. I didn't want to. We still charge a team fee to this day, but I didn't want to charge too much of a team fee. We had to get new jerseys at the time, hats, everything like that, and. So money was our biggest struggle. We had some donors throughout uh, those years and still have those a couple of those donors to this day that we're really thankful for. We couldn't do it without them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so money was our biggest thing. For a season, gosh, we – so I figure it's 200 bucks a game because um, we paid 150 total for umpires and $50 field rental fee down at Petrakis. Uh, and then you're adding in, I mean, you're doing, we figure six baseballs a game down at Petrakis, you know, they hit the concrete, get ruined, you might have to throw a couple out. Uh, so if I'm doing the math, geez, uh, a dozen baseballs right now is like a hundred bucks. So figure 250 bucks a game and we times that by seven. Um, I don't know. You Probably about math. eight to eight 14, to twelve hundred bucks, fifteen hundred yeah. bucks in that area there. Yeah. So and then that's not. I mean, that's not including the miscellaneous stuff that you need. So it adds up. Um, helps when you get in some tournaments and you uh, can place in them, win a little bit of money back. So we're going to talk about that later. But when did you start start to see the ship turn around? Uh. Well, we. Thought it was turning around there for a second in 2018. We made the playoffs. Uh, we had a pretty much dynamic duo in the front of our rotation with uh, Austin Clemens and Chris Tompkins at that point. Uh, that was At that point, we were one year removed from Alex Steinis. I don't know if you remember him, but he uh, carried us for the first couple of years pretty much through every game for us because that's, that's what he did. Um but then after that, we fell off for a couple of years. 2019, 2020 was a little bit of a struggle. And I'd say the end of 2021, we kind of started to get things figured out, um, kind of got some new faces in there and started to take off. And it kind of rolled right over into this year. A couple questions here about your first. What was the first big win of any year for the Packers, whether it came in your first year or it came in your third year where it just kind of exceeded all your expectations? Yeah, I, uh, I put this one up for a vote with a few of our few of our OG players, um, and they all voted for the – it was our second year. I think it was our second year, but our first year off of probation. And we got invited to the Rickardsville tournament. They did all 19 teams and put us in a playing game, put us in a playing game against the then Dubuque Blues, who are the Dubuque Buds now and under they're run by another uh, person now. But uh, they put it up, I put it up to vote and we won that game one nothing or two to one. I remember Alex Steinis and Aaron Soigling, I think it was, for the Blues. They dueled it out and, um, Nick Hoffman had the game-winning hit. It was a jam shot over the second baseman's head. And uh can't remember if it was the bottom of the seventh or if it just went extra, or if it went extra innings, eight or nine innings. But, yeah, that was definitely our biggest win, our first big win that everyone remembers to this day. It's funny, I actually ran into Nick Hoffman a couple weeks back, and we talked about it. And so 
and he's not, he, you know, he doesn't play anymore. It, I think he just moved back to Dubuque, but that's besides the point. Just that he still remembered it was funny. A couple things to talk about here. You know, we talk about the money that goes into it. I will say that winning cures everything. So if you're part of a program where there's a terrible culture, easiest way, quickest way to turn that around is to win. If, you know, guys are playing, paying to play, make it more enjoyable by winning. And people that don't, uh, aren't familiar with the Dubuque Blues, Coach Horner, Jeff Horner, a good friend of mine, known him pretty much my whole life, he was the manager of the Dubuque Blues, and I would compare them to how the Key West Ramblers are now. Uh, they seem like they were the team to beat. They always had the top talent from the local colleges, the local high schools. Jeff was a baseball coach at Hempstead and was always funneling those top Hempstead players as well and now they're the Dubuque Budweiser's and Cody Beck is the manager and they had a had a uh, down year last year to say the least let's talk about your first big tournament championship that the Packers won you went into great depth about the background of your first milestone of your first big win so tell us about the background story that went into that first big championship and what was your first big championship? Uh, we won the Holy Cross tournament. I believe it was 2020. I think it was COVID year. Um, and it was, we just got, we got on a roll and nothing was getting in our way. And I, I we went out and Anthony Rudin hadn't played yet. And he threw the championship game for us. Uh, kind of seal the deal and yeah it was uh that was a that was a very fun term really fun week and we had quite a few of them this year too making runs in tournaments it's fun to do that automotive care solutions is a proud sponsor of the dubuque area baseball podcast ACS is owned and operated by Nate Dirt Hall and is located in beautiful downtown Dyersville. ACS offers services such as exterior and interior detailing, buffing, waxing, ceramic coating, rust proofing, and undercoating. They welcome all cars, trucks, tractors, semis, campers, boats, and so much more. To make your appointment convenient, they also offer a courtesy vehicle. Pickup and drop-offs are available within a 15-mile radius of Dyersville. To request a quote or schedule an appointment, call 563-581-8244 or email acsdyersville at gmail.com. Now, people that listen to this, um, I, I have two kids under two. And um, for me to get away, it's, it is extremely difficult at my age and having two kids under two. I will tell you, I had a friend in town from the Chicago area, and he has Holy Cross ties. And he wanted to check out the brewery in Holy Cross. So we went out to uh, Holy Cross, enjoyed the brewery there. And then we saw the lights were on at the baseball field. We walked down. There was the Holy Cross tournament going, and it was a lot of fun. So if you're big into baseball, if you like baseball, whether semi-pro or not, go check out that Holy Cross tournament. I believe it's usually the first tournament 
uh, of the year. And if you catch some nice weather, it's good to get a bucket of bush light and, and watch some good baseball. Now, you've been referencing them as the OGs of the Packers. So who are some of the guys that have been grinding since day one, and what do they mean to the program? So I went back and uh, I had to look because um, who had been there since day one and still is, and we only got five, uh, six of us, including myself, but five of them left, and it's uh, Matt Parker, Mike Zelenskis, Brant Culbertson, Austin Clemens, and Chris Tompkins are the uh, five that have been here from the beginning and been through it all, the ups and the downs. Um, I, it was two years in, I think, that we added uh, Tucker May and Austin Bradley, and then Cody Roush uh, joined shortly after that, too. Um, those are our longest tenured players, and I would throw Johnny in there, too. Johnny was playing when he was – he was subbing in league games when he was 14, so I'd probably add him in there as well. Um, those guys – we wouldn't be here without them. Um, I mean, obviously you need players, and that's one of the hard. you said it before, it's one of the hardest things teams go through. And um, these guys are these guys are great. They show up. They show up ready to go, uh, play hard, you know, for, for the most part. We get, we're getting older now and might have to take a playoff or two. But, um, yeah, these guys, like I said, wouldn't be able to do it without them. The thing I love about the Packers is it seems like you guys are just friends that came together and wanted to play baseball together. And now it's a family affair with your brother and your brother-in-law, Cody Roush. And it looks like that you guys are just having a lot of fun being out there. And, you know, I think of when I played Little League was so much fun. And then my Little League team all played high school together. And then we kind of all went our own ways and how much fun it would have been if we could have continued to play as adults. Now, I do want to ask you about this because I saw this tweet and I shot a uh, text to Jeff Guns because Jeff Guns seems like he knows everything. By the way, you mentioned Chris Tompkins. Chris, if you're listening to this, we have talked about getting you on the podcast many times. You're a great player. You have a great story. Let's make it happen. One of my favorite pictures I ever took was with Chris Tompkins. It was we were on the front page of the TH hugging after I believe he beat the senior Rams in 2014. During the season, Michael, you tweeted from your Packers account, and I'm going to paraphrase that you guys want to be invited. You show up, your fans show up, and you make the tournaments better. So what was the back story, the background behind that tweet? Uh, yeah, without, without throwing one under the bus, um, we were down at Bellevue, I think uh, the day before it got rained out or something like that, and... So we were playing, we were scheduled to play a doubleheader that day if we had won the first round. We move on to, actually it was the playing game, then we moved to the first round. We were supposed to play a team and they, you know, they backed out, I think it was like an hour before the game or something because we were already down there, headed down there. And, um, so, yeah, so we were pretty frustrated um, that we, you know, because we, like I said before, we were on the probationary period where we had to prove ourselves and. You know, it's. I take pride in uh, making sure that I always got. You know, it's hard to find guys. I always have ten guys because I've had 
I've had times where guys backed out last minute, and I still have nine, and I'll do whatever it, I'll do whatever it takes to get a team there. And when a team pulls that, it was it's very frustrating, um, especially when we're not in a lot of tournaments, and we have proven that we're reliable, competitive. Uh, we support the tournaments because we know what the tournaments, you know, why these teams are having tournaments. It's not just to entertain and put on a good show for everyone, but they're fundraisers for these teams as well. So. Um, so yeah, it was just frustrating. Well, I want to give my endorsement to the Dubuque Packers. If you are running tournaments, you have to invite these guys. I don't know how you cannot look at the roster and not invite these guys. I mean, you look at Jacob Kerman, what he did at Clark University, he brings out a crowd. You look at, uh, Chris Tompkins, former TH player of the year. I believe I saw Tucker May suit up a couple times. He can still provide power from the left side. And then you look at Johnny Blake. If you haven't seen Johnny Blake pitch, he's worth the price of admission to go out and watch that guy pitch. So hopefully we'll get you guys in, in some more tournaments. I always enjoy watching the Packers play. The Packers took a huge leap forward this season that announced themselves as a contender. What and who were some of the major reasons why the Packers took such a leap this year? Um, yeah, so you mentioned Jacob Kerman before. He pretty much dominated from start to beginning on the mound for us all year. Everybody knows about the playoffs in Baltown when he threw two complete games to win his championship, but no, not a lot of people know or remember uh, back in, I think it was early June when he threw two complete games against, we played Bernard and Bellevue in a doubleheader for league games, and he threw both of those games. Actually, I, I might have misspoke. I think he threw 13 innings that day. He did not throw the last inning of the day because Johnny wanted a bullpen. So Johnny threw the last inning. <laughs> and, but, um, so, yeah, but between those two all year, uh, having those two on the mound pretty much gives you a chance in any game. Got Austin Clemens still on the back burner who doesn't throw as much as he used to. Um, I'd love to get TT on the mound. I've asked him, asked him, and he's always willing, but it's never like, a, yeah, let's do it. It's more of, a, yeah, we'll see how the arm feels. I think he, he'd tough it out for us if we needed him to, though. Um and then we just – the biggest thing that uh, helped us this year was I didn't have to find a lot of subs this year. We had a cast of about four, 14, 15 players, I think, is in our group chat. And there was probably 75% of the time I had 13 guys there. Um, so it was guys showing up all the time. We added uh, Mike Garitano this year who helped out a lot call him peppers uh there's a long story behind that but he just you know you said family before and he just fit right in in uh him and gavin guns were two new guys this year for us and both of them just instantly part of the packer family and um part of packer history now as far as i'm concerned uh gavin hit hit crap out of ball this year for lack of better terms uh and yeah we just the uh, having having the same starting lineup for a lot of the year helps a ton. A lot of chemistry was built, and you know it's we have chemistry anyways. Being you know all being friends and stuff, but when we're all in the same position, same spot in the lineup for uh, there was a stretch in the season where we played eight games in nine days, and we called it the Packers Bender, and we had the same lineup I think for 
six of the eight games, like the exact same, other than, you know, switching a pitcher into a position spot or something like that. Couple things. Uh, CT can always get out there and just throw that curveball over and over and over again. And I'm sure if you're down by a lot or up by a lot, he can get you some outs. And you know, you talked about the community that you guys have and, and the community you built. I saw you guys out at the Field of Dreams for the minor league game, Colonels against the River Bandits, which was cool to see you guys having fun. And then I saw you guys also participate in the town and country days out in Epworth, the uh, wiffle ball home run tournament. Now, looking at this past year and just focusing on you, what feelings and emotions did you have as a manager after winning the league? What were the feelings and the emotions of the players and what type of celebration took place afterward? Uh, I was... Gosh, more than anything, I'm just excited and just, I can't, I can't be happier, more proud of everyone that's, you know, pushed through all of it and finally reaping the rewards uh, that I think all these guys deserve. So it's just awesome to see it. The players were extremely excited as well, and um, they take great pride in it too. As much pride as I take in it, it they take just as much as I do, and uh you know, seeing that. So the celebration obviously was big. They uh, they got me with the water. I think it was Johnny got me with the water after the Prairie League championship. Um, and I, yeah, it was it was definitely a celebration. Probably one that I shouldn't talk too much about, but <laughs> it was a fun time. Definitely worth it. And we'll see if we can, you know can't get there again next year. Yeah, hopefully you can repeat that again next year. And and that was my favorite thing about coaching. I I just loved looking into the opponent's dugout and just knowing that I was going to beat them and and how we were going going to beat them and then seeing a plan executed and and then having the excitement afterward of seeing all the hard work and all the preparation that went into that game or that series and it was great to see it all pay off for you guys after coming from probation and then having to scrape up money to get those bomb bats that are 250 bucks and and don't break every single game looking forward last question before we hit into that podcast killing double play what are the future plans for the packers are we going to see some new players next season if so who might they be yeah, I haven't uh, haven't really reached out to anyone yet. I'm gonna see what uh, the future holds for some of our guys that might be moving or um, maybe playing some summer ball somewhere else next year. But I would love to. Ray Schlosser played a lot with us towards the end of the year. Um, I'll be reaching out to him and see if he wants to be full time. Really hoping he he does. Um, we have a guy coming back. He's moving back. Uh, kid that me and Tucker and Clemens and Bradley and Kerman all played college baseball with. Jeez, naming those off. I just, <laughs> five of us right there played. But anyways, he played college baseball with us. Nick Marcelli is moving back from California, and he reached out to me on Twitter and wants to be a part of it. So be excited to have him. He's a pitcher, really competitive, so he'll fit right in. Uh, just gets out there and gives it his all all the time. Um, but as far as uh, – other new guys, I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, and future plans, I just, we're just going to keep growing, 
keep building, uh, hopefully get into a few more tournaments and keep placing in these tournaments, hopefully win a few more. And yeah, just have, having a blast every single summer because these guys look forward to it all the time. Uh, we're <laughs> hopefully, hopefully get some practices in over at XSP over there with Kerman putting up a batting cage. So excited about that. And yeah, I mean, just keep building that family, that family community and mindset that we bring to the table. Michael Blake from the Dubuque Packers and also assistant varsity coach at Dubuque Senior. Thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Best of luck to you with the Dubuque Packers and also the Senior Rams in the upcoming 2023 season. 643. We're out of here. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Don't forget to stop by Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, and also subscribe on Spotify.